Good. First John and chapter five. And we got down to verse five. That's five verses in one week. Because we had looked at verse four and five a little bit previously. Now we're in verse six. Well, let's start with verse five. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And this is the spirit that beareth witness, because the spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. <clears throat> and there are three that bear record in earth, the spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his son. He that believeth on the son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not the son of God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of his son. And this is the record that God hath given us to us eternal life and this life is in his son. <clears throat> we won't get that far tonight but that's just reading it a little bit in its context there. Let's pray. Thank you Heavenly Father for the word of God for the Apostle John who penned this in his old age having much experience as a Christian a good probably 60 years as a follower of the Lord Jesus and Lord as you inspired him to write these things, it's good that we have a witness. Several witnesses, in fact, as we see here tonight. And I pray that we would take comfort in the fact that this is not a, an occasion where nobody testified. Nobody could stand, as it were, and in the court and say, there's only one, and that was the person that did it or what happened to. But there are witnesses. And Lord, thank you for that that verify the truth of your word and the, the, your son and his ministry to us. Bless the word tonight, bless the prayer time and those that are listening in, that it might be encouragement to each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> we could say we have a threefold witness that goes over a few times here in verses 6 to 12. Now the opening verse of John Five, first John 5 whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God and everyone that loveth him that begot loveth him also that is begotten of him so if you love God you'll love the fellow Christian the believers you'll begotten the one begotten ones but there at the start the opening verse emphasizes the importance of believing on Christ you must believe in order to be born again as John 3 tells us that is very important. You must be born. You must be born again, said the Lord Jesus. And salvation <clears throat> doesn't come through superior knowledge. And probably in in, <clears throat> in our circles where we're more conservative, we need to understand that salvation does not come through superior knowledge. That's Gnosticism. That's like know it all. Because unless you've been born again by simple faith in Jesus Christ, all the knowledge in the world, even you know, the, the whole Bible, the knowledge of it, doesn't get you to heaven. 
It has to have been applied by faith. Faith is not fanciful. It's not believing in non-reality. It is not gullible. You know, without faith, as it says in Hebrews, it's impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And seek him how? By faith. None of us here have seen him. Charismatics, if you had them here, they say, yeah, I've seen him. Hmm, right. I don't think you've seen him. You might have seen something. <laughs> but it wasn't the Lord because we live by faith. And so faith must have substance, a basis for that which we believe in. <laughs> and that is, the basis is Jesus Christ. And this is why John is emphasising the thought of witness, witness, witness. And over ten times you have that, not all, I think five is witness, but the others, it is written or something of that nature, emphasised in this, in verses uh, 6 to 12. And you can pick them out. <clears throat> and so uh, the, uh, the object on which our faith rests is Jesus Christ. How do we know whom to believe? And this is what John is doing, calling three witnesses to the witness box to testify of the truth concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. And these three agree in one. Yes. There's unity with the witnesses. You see, if one witness says something and another witness says something else and the third witness says something different, no we, there's no witness at all. <laughs> it dismissed, uh, the court would say dismissed. And in fact, in the Old Testament, to convict someone of something, they needed to have, can you remember, at least two, better to have three witnesses in court. There's a lot of court hearings now that there's no witnesses. <laughs> the witnesses they have is DNA and so forth, and you have to trust the guy that did the DNA. Hopefully he doesn't know the other one that's charging you. <laughs> All of those sort of things can, can come into it and you can think of that. <laughs> no one can trick or give false witness here as we have, as we have it laid out. And so and the Spirit's sure witness of the Son in verse 6, the Spirit's sure witness to the saint in verses 7 and 8. And next week, the Father's supreme witness of the Son and the Spirit's special witness within the believer. And so witness, witness, it's not going out witnessing. It's the witness to us that what we believe and who we believe is true. We need to know that it's true. We need to understand that it's true. And how can you have confidence in something you don't know? But we do know it. He's going to later deal with that, isn't he, in chapter 5? Okay. <clears throat> The Spirit shall witness to the Son, verses, verse 6 here. The word witness, as I said, record testifier used 10 times, verses 6 to 11, not 12. The witness of the water, first of all, as he said there in verse 6, this is he that came by water. Some might say, well, that's water at birth, you know, in, in the mother's womb. But the majority of people would say that this is water. The son came and was testified to at his baptism by somebody when he was baptised and, and was obedient to his father in that way and setting an example for us. So who came by water? The son came. And it indicates that an, an event 
a once-off event, not a continuing event, at time in the past. And most believers say this is a reference to the baptism of Christ when God acknowledged him as his son with the words that are spoken of in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 17, where it says there, <clears throat> then was fulfilled that which was spoken... No, that was chapter 2, chapter 3, verse 7. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is... There, in whom I am well pleased. There's the witness. When the Lord got baptised, the Father from heaven gave witness to, He is the Son. Yeah, we need to believe that. We're born again by Him. And uh, do you believe that witness? This witness is irrefutable and should be believed. It was heard by others that were standing around. If you read of, in Matthew chapter 3, the rest of that, verse 13 to 17, and they thought it... Oh, the thunder, the cloud. No, it was the, it was the heavenly father giving witness to his son. Uh, <clears throat> and in that occasion, what did John the Baptist say to the Lord when the Lord came to be baptised by him? Okay, no, yeah, uh, yeah, that, but he said something. Yeah, that's on another occasion. You 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 ran the right fella. <laughs> I have need to be baptized of thee. You see, what was John's baptism? It was a baptism of repentance. The Lord Jesus, did he need to repent of anything? No, because he hadn't sinned. And so <clears throat> the baptism a baptism of repentance and there was nothing in Christ. Why was the Lord then baptized? In honouring the law and yes, to identify himself with the ruined race that he came to save as our kinsman redeemer. I follow my Lord in my Father in complete obedience. We need to follow him in obedience too. And this is what the Lord, the Heavenly Father said. I'm well pleased. From his birth to his baptism, the Lord lived in complete, complete obedience to his earthly parents, but to his heavenly father's will. Um, <clears throat> the, this is my beloved son. This witness is given several times, not only on the baptism, but also at the transfiguration. This is my, they heard a voice from heaven. This is my beloved son. And not quite the same words, but in John's gospel 12, 28, when facing the cross, Lord, heaven, father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. On that occasion there, in facing the cross, uh, not my will, but thy will be done. And he followed the Lord in obedience. So the witness of the water in following, in obedience, and, and the fact that we should do the same when we believe on the Lord. The witness of, secondly, in verse 6, back there in First John 5, this is he that came by water and blood. Even Jesus Christ, the witness of the blood. This is a reference to the way the Lord Jesus Christ died. You know, in the things at Gaza and the some pictures that have come through, only a few, you see the blood of people on the floor that have been dragged along, and it's just disgusting what you see there. But the Lord Jesus shed his blood. The blood of man couldn't atone, could it? The blood of animals couldn't either. It was the God-man who was crucified. Not like the Gnostics taught, 
that the divine Christ left the Lord Jesus, left his human body just before his death, so that a mere man died. No. <laughs> you see, they try to get away from, oh, God died. You asked that question the other day, just somewhere. And uh, <clears throat> no, he didn't. Because <laughs> he is divine, he's eternal, he's, he's everlasting. Um, <clears throat> and they try to cover that by saying that. They're know-it-alls, <laughs> the Gnostics. Um, it was the Lord Jesus Christ that died on the cross and shed his blood, not a mere man. The emphasis in verse 6, not by water only, but by water and blood. It emphasises that ties the two together there in the middle of verse 6. The construction of this makes it mean the water of his baptism and the blood of his death. And who were some witnesses to the fact that Jesus Christ shed his blood? Do we have any witnesses? Will somebody step forth and witness from the word? Listen, look, look at it. Even the people that murdered him, that crucified him, witnessed to the fact that day that he died and shed his blood. Not, not acknowledging that it was for them, but in Matthew 27, 41, likewise also the chief priest mocking him and the scribes and the elders said, he saved others himself he cannot save. If you be king of Israel, they saw him dying. They saw him shedding his blood. Even unsaved people saw, saw that. And in, in those people in chapter 27 and verse 54 of Matthew, now, they, now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly saying what? This is the testimony they gave. Yeah, they gave testimony. They gave witness. So we have got... Witnesses to the fact of who Jesus is and what he did. This would hold up easy in a court of law. The, the prosecutor trying to prosecute wouldn't have a hope against such evidence that we have in the scripture. Unsafe people, the enemies even testified to that fact. In chapter 19 of the Gospel of John and verse 23. 1923 says then the soldiers when they had crucified Jesus took his garments and made four parts to every soldier apart and his coat now the coat was of one seam woven from top to bottom did they testify that he died they were distributing his his garments they were you know they're going to cast a lot and they were going to tear one up to take part of it yeah, they witnessed, the soldiers witnessed, the centurion witnessed, the Sadducees and the Pharisees witnessed his death and the shedding of his blood. And verse, nine, verse 25 of chapter 19, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister Mary and the, the wife of Clophus and Mary Magdalene. Do you want more witnesses? Here's a few more witnesses that saw him die that saw him shed his blood, his mother and his friends. And as Hebrews tells us, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. There is witnesses to the basis of our faith, the blood of Christ, many of them there in the New Testament. Not only that, that's witnesses to his death, but what, what about witnesses to his resurrection? Are there witnesses there? We're not even dealing with that. It's said in the first... Corinthians, was it or in the Gospels? There were 500, was is Corinthians, 500 witnesses at once that saw the risen Lord. 
No. <laughs> the basis, this is the basis of our faith. We need to know it's true. So we have the witnesses that we have here. The importance of the blood. It is absolutely important. It's important because we saw it back in the Garden of Eden and forever, or from then on, it has been important. The shed, shedding of the blood of the animals. So, sorry, Pastor. So, is that why this particular verse about the blood, the water, mm -hmm. and the spirit is the most controversial verse? We're going to get to that, but it's the next verse, the next two verses that are controversial. Verse 6, they can't, they can't refute. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. The importance of the blood, Matthew 26, 28. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. It's the blood that forgives, that cleanses us from sin. Romans 3, 25. Whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past all the old testament saints that believe by faith looking forward and us who look back depend on the blood of christ through the forbearance of god in the past the lord forbear, forbear their sins until the perfect sacrifice came and took away sin romans 5 9 it's all based on blood Romans 5, 9, much more then being now justified by his blood, ye shall be saved. No, not justified by his blood. I can't get the rest of the verse. But justified by his blood. Ephesians 1, 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, gold received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Revelation 1.5 Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own... This is a, this is a witness, the blood. Historically they saw it. By faith we believe it. In his own blood. He washed us from his sins in his own blood. And that was talking, that's talking future in Revelation 1.5. No, 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 not, not chapter 1. That's not prophecy. That's present. Romans 5, Romans 5, 9. And hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, out of every tribe, and every people, and every nation. By the blood, anyone from everywhere, it's the only way. There's no other way. And so there's a witness of the water, the witness of the blood. The innocent animal in the Old Testament, the innocent lamb of God. God provided himself a lamb. The witness of the spirit. Now, that's the, last, the third one in verse 6. We may not get to what you're talking about, John. But verse 6. By water and the blood, and it is the spirit that beareth witness, because the spirit is truth. The witness of the spirit. The spirit ministered to Christ at his conception, at his baptism, at his temptation, in his teaching, in his miracles, and his, in his death. The Spirit also ministered to Christ as a witness to Christ there of his death and the shedding of his blood, and that he is verified to be who he claimed to be. And so we see the, 
Credibility of the Spirit's witness in the fourth part of verse 6, the Spirit is truth. Even as Christ is the way, the truth and the life, so the Spirit also is truth. Can you trust everything that the Spirit says? Yes, through the Word. Can you trust everybody that says the Spirit spoke to me and said audibly this, that and the other? No, <laughs> no, you don't trust that. But you do trust. If they say, I was reading the Word and the Spirit spoke to me, and then you can go down to the Word and say, well, wh where is that and what was that and how did you connect there? Yeah, that's true. Good. And the witness, the witness of the Spirit to you, the credibility of the Spirit's witness he is true. The witness can be received as credible. Believe it. Believe it. You know, when you get saved, who is it that strives with your heart? Who is it that knocks on your heart's door? It's the Spirit of God, isn't it? That is coming to communicate to you your sinfulness and the need of salvation. There's a continuation of the Spirit's witness as well in verse 6. He beareth witness. And that is in the present tense. The Spirit continually bears witness from time of Pentecost right down till now he continually does that continuous action that's the character of his witness even today he works quietly within our hearts to point us to Christ wooing us to him as unsaved people but wooing us to walk as Christians ought to walk in the spirit being sanctified and thirdly the Christ here centeredness of the spirit's witness and this not found here in this bit, in this portion, but it's found over in the Gospel of John, chapter 15 and verse 26 that reads, But when the Comforter is come, he shall, and what's the word? It's not witness, but testify of me. And he testifies of the Lord Jesus. He witnesses to us of the Lord. He doesn't speak about himself. He speaks of the Lord. He, he, he prompts us to think about the Lord. It's very humbling for the Spirit of the Lord to take that place because he is God. Very humbling for the Lord to come down here. You know, and he, there's a set example, isn't there, in that. In John 16, verse 13 and 14, it says, Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, said the Lord Jesus, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. Yes. And this is where the charismatics get all wrong. They get back to front. Yep. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> they, they're exalting the spirit, aren't they? They glorify the spirit. They glorify the spirit. And, you, and watch out for the songs that do that. Well, I think we sing one and it's... Mm, you sort of swallow hard and say, what are they saying here in some of those songs? No, he will glorify the Lord. He will exalt the Lord. He is a witness to that fact. That's what he's given for. So the Spirit's sure witness of the Son, the witness of the water, the witness of the blood, and the witness of the Spirit here, the Word shows us these things. Now, just to finish off, Verse 8 summarises these three witnesses. These three witnesses are in agreement, it says there. And they bear witness on the spirit, the water and the blood. They say it again repeated. These three agree in one. The water, the blood 
and the Spirit's testimony. When the enemies of Christ had the Lord on trial, they put forth men that were false witnesses, remember? And they were found to be false. What's the best way to get to see if the witnesses are all saying the same thing? Take them aside. Take them into the little room. (laughs) Now, what do you say? How did you see it? Then bring the team out and the next one in. How did you see it? And then you say, well, no, false witnesses, because you don't agree. And and, and, and in that, that they did that, when they tried to summon people to witness falsely against the Lord, at least there was the truth that they didn't, you know, well, what did you all say all together now, boys? No, they didn't do that. In Mark 14, 15, uh, 56 and 55, their witness was false, it says. The three witnesses mentioned by John agree. They agree. Remember that. In the end of verse, and these agree in one. Um, <clears throat> see the fateful words, fateful words of Christ concerning those who reject the witness and testimony of the Spirit. In Matthew chapter 12 and verse 31, it says this, Matthew 12, 31 and 32, Wherefore, I say unto you, all manner of sins and blasphemy shall be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven men. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. That's serious business. And if you reject the Spirit's witness and testimony, you're in that category. That has those people in the charismatic realm on very thin ice, if they're on ice at all, really. <clears throat> and the, the words of the Holy Spirit in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 9, it says, Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power, signs and lying wonders, they believe that instead of the Lord, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved and the love of the truth was a witness of the spirit when they were on earth and heard the word preached and they were convicted in the heart and for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie this is after the rapture this is what they believe and who they believe that they all might be damned who believe not the truth of the three agreeing witnesses but had pleasure in unrighteousness very pointed. So there, our study for tonight. I wanted, to, I wanted to get to what John was mentioning in the next verse. In heaven and in earth, people throw it out. Do you throw it out and say it's not in the original? Look it up and read about that. There's heaps of debate about it.